chapter eight of the splendid outcast by george gibbs this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva threats the silence seemed endless and yet she dared not trust herself to speak her throat closed and it seemed that the blood from her heart was drowning her and yet she watched him tensely aware of the crisis aware too of the revelations that seemed to have laid her heart bare to all the world her husband reached the large table and poured out what remained of the whiskey then she heard his laugh again and saw him leering at her over his glass lucky dog i am pretty little devil to come home to <laughs> love tap he shrugged and raised his glass to our better acquaintance she made no sound but while her eyes watched her mind was working rapidly his air was braggart but she could see that he wasn't any too sure of himself he had thought to come here and by the ruse of the adhesive plaster merge his identity into that of his brother jim the lapse of time since she had seen him and the illness had deceived her in the hospital and so he had figured on the remarkable resemblance to his brother to help him carry off this situation with a careless hand but he hadn't reckoned with the alertness of her woman's intuitions or god help her the tenderness of yesterday which held the image of the brother so close to her heart something of what was passing in her mind seemed to come to him so you've fallen in love with my pretty brother he muttered no complacent husband marie complaisant you wanted jem to take you in his arms and you only had me you don't care for my kisses why not we're just alike as like as two peas in a pod what's the difference come now tell me i'll be a good sport we-we've got to come to an understanding she gasped at last desperately exactly an understanding that's what i'm getting at he laughed and sank into a chair by the lay figure oh don't be disturbed i'm not going to try to kiss you again it's too dangerous she watched him intently while he took out a package of cigarettes and lighted one and then with a wave of the hand an understanding by all means fire away it isn't necessary to go into the past except to say what you know already that our marriage was a horrible mistake but we did have an understanding then that you were to wait that you were to to make good and that i was to try to to care for you quite so and we both failed thanks we we have both failed she repeated i can't say i ever really believed we should succeed until until you went to the hospital she bent her head the main thing is she went on more evenly as she gathered courage that whatever my hopes were for you now at least you forfeited all claim to consideration why because i take a fancy to my own uniform my own personality because you she paused to catch her breath because you stooped to something something unworthy 
something vile and terrible perhaps god knows to get rid of a man your own brother who did your service and because you'll dare to receive honors that don't belong to you and then as he started up one moment i don't know what happened on the battlefield if you were injured it was a glorious foolish thing jim horton did for you but whatever he did whatever his motive it deserves something of you something different from what you've confessed tell me what you've done with him and i'll try to believe you he's quit i told you he protested there wasn't anything else for him where is he what does it matter he's out of your life out of mine no not out of your life she paused what do you mean merely that the truth of this thing must be told impossible it would ruin us both she gave a little gasp of relief tell me where he is he's safe she deliberated a moment you've got to prove it to me he said he was coming back to the studio today. instead you came in the uniform he wore he didn't give it to you willingly yes he lied sullenly he gave it to me there wasn't anything else to do when i turned up he realized he couldn't stay here with you and then oh he was square enough about it there was a long pause he didn't ring true she had almost forgotten as he had what he had said in the fury of his jealousy she was aware that he had risen unsteadily from his chair and was approaching her so here moira he said in an ingratiating tone i'm not a bad sort really i'm not i-i was out of my head a while ago the way you came up to me thinking i was him i guess i wanted to hurt you the way you had hurt me i'm sorry i won't touch your fingers even if you don't want me to i was a rotter to try to kiss you i ought to have known you didn't want me to when i i had had one or two too many i've been worried too devilishly worried about the whole thing let's forget it and talk the thing over sensibly there may be a way out i don't want any honors that don't belong to me but i don't want to be dismissed from the service either or shot on jim's account but we've got to keep this thing quiet she understood his drift the facts in her possession made her dangerous it can't be kept quiet so long as jim horton is in danger who said he was in danger i said he'd quit but you lied he hasn't quit he isn't the quitting kind he was to have come to me to-day and told me the truth i didn't know what it all meant then but i do now he has got to have his chance she saw him glare at her somberly what do you want me to do take me to him to-night that's impossible i couldn't find him yes you can find him or he would have found me he smeared out the ash of his cigarette in a receiver and rose his face livid you seem very sure of him and of yourself and if i don't find him for you what are you going to do i shall tell what i know to the proper authorities he stood for a moment balked and then before she knew what he was about he stumbled to the studio door and turning the key in the lock 
put it in his pocket she was frightened by the significance of the action and ran quickly toward the door of her own room he turned and moved to intercept her but awkwardly and she slammed the door in his face catching the bolt on the inside she was frightened now desperately frightened but resolved to escape and tell what she knew the brother jim was in danger a prisoner somewhere otherwise he would have come to her much as his silence had injured her deeply as her pride was hurt at the position in which he had placed her she knew now that he had intended to tell the truth from his own lips and warn her of harry's return before he left her and went away alone he loved her it was his love that had sought to spare her the humiliation of this very knowledge that had come to her shell-shock there was another reason for the substitution what but whatever it was there seemed little difficulty in choosing between them the other jim the man she loved she acknowledged it in every impulse would have come to her she had to find him just what she meant to do she didn't know except to get away from harry he was hammering on the door now pleading with her but she didn't answer catching up her hat and a heavy coat she went quietly to her own door into the hall and while he still hammered and pleaded fled quickly down the stairs and into the lodge of the concierge madame toupin aroused suddenly from her doze started up in amazement madame Horton, what is it she asked in french it is a game we play madame toupin you shall hide me in your closet and when monsieur le lieutenant comes you shall say that i have run out into the street you understand parfaitement madame ah les jeux d'amour entre vite and she opened the door of the closet which moira entered quickly then madame toupin with a smile of wisdom composed herself to read her paper and in a moment a clatter of boots upon the stairway and the sound of footsteps upon the paving of the courtyard announced the approach of the officer through a crack in the door moira listened to the conversation which madame conducted with her amiable smile and presently harry horton withdrew frowning and went out hurriedly into the rue de tavennes but while she stood upright in the closet listening moira had formulated a plan it was clear from the tone of harry's voice and his haste to go that her escape had frightened him for his judgment was not amiss when he decided that moira was fully capable of carrying out her threat to tell the whole story to the military authorities but instead of clinging to her original intention a new idea had come to her if she followed him she could perhaps get a clue to the mystery of jim horton's disappearance she couldn't understand yet couldn't make herself believe that this man that she had married could be capable of a thing so vile but the evidence his own words stammered in his fury were damning the familiar formulas seemed to have no bearing now the war had made men demigods or devils and harry 
it did not seem very difficult to decide to-night what harry was she slipped on her heavy coat and the hat she had brought and with a word of explanation and caution to madame toupin she went out into the street far down upon the opposite sidewalk she saw a tall figure striding away into the darkness she followed keeping at a distance her coat collar turned up and her broad-brimmed hat pushed well down over her eyes she hurried along keeping in the shadow of the opposite side of the street trembling with the excitement of her venture and wondering what was to be its outcome but sure from his gait that the situation she had created had developed in harry horton's hazy brain some definite plan of action she noticed too that he no longer swayed or stumbled and that he glanced furtively to left and right at the street corners peering back toward her from time to time but she matched her wits to his crouching into corners as he turned and then running forward breathlessly in the dark places keeping him in sight he turned into the narrow reaches of the rue de monsieur le prince past the lycée and the école des médecines and crossed the boulevard saint-germain into the network of small streets in the direction of the river twisting and turning in a way which confirmed her belief in the dishonesty of his purposes it was now long after midnight and the streets into which they moved were quiet and almost deserted from the direction of the boule miche came a rumble of vehicles the glare of lights the distant grunt of an automobile horn the clatter of a cab horse down an echoing street the neighborhood was unfamiliar to her a part of old paris near the ile de la cite where the houses relics of antiquity were huddled into ghostly groups clinging to one another illumined fitfully by murky bracket lamps which only served to make their grim facades more sombre and fantastic dark shapes emerged from darker shadows and leered at her evil figures bent and bedraggled or painted and bedizened the foul night creatures of the city the scavengers the female birds of prey the night-hawks the lepers twice she was accosted once by a vile hag that clutched at her arm with skinny talons and again by a man who tried to bar her way but with a strength born of her desperation she thrust him aside and ran on her gaze seeking the tall figure that she followed more than once she lost sight of him as he plunged deeper and deeper into the maze and she paused trembling in the shadows not knowing which way to turn but gathering courage again hurried on to catch the glint of a street light on his brown overcoat in the distance above the roofs almost hanging over her she caught a glimpse of the grim towers of notre dame the sentinels of a thousand years of time and the sight of them gave her courage in this region of despair with an effort she threw off her terror of the evil that seemed to hang in every shadow trying to remember that this was paris her paris with familiar places close at hand 
and that this man whom she followed was no creature of the middle ages but harry her husband that this was the twentieth century that here was the very heart of the civilization of the world but the facts that had come to her were amazing and harry's confessions damnable it was clear that his position was desperate and his intentions none less so here somewhere hidden she believed jim horton lay helpless and injured if not by his brother's hand by that of some one in his employ it was the only answer to the riddle of his failure to come back to her she must find him before they took him away before they her thoughts terrified her again harry wouldn't dare he was a coward at heart she knew it now besides there must be some spark of decency and manhood left to restrain him from so desperate so terrible an expedient to save himself she crept cautiously to the corner of a small street into which harry horton had turned it was scarcely more than an alleyway a vestige of the old city hedged in by squat stone houses with peaked roofs deserted it seemed and unoccupied beyond she could see the quay the loom of the hotel dieu and notre dame the house at which he had stopped was but a few yards from the river front she stole into the blackness of an angle of wall and watched he was knocking upon the door three quick taps followed by two slower ones for a while he waited impatiently and then as no one answered the summons he tried the window and then started up a small passage at the side not twenty feet from where she crouched her pulses were throbbing violently but the terror of her surroundings had passed and she tried to convince herself that she did not fear harry and yet she hesitated to confront him fascinated by her discovery the brother jim was here she was as sure of it as though she had seen him she knew that she must intercede in some way but she was very helpless how many were there in this house and if she revealed herself would not the warning give them time to carry out whatever plan they had in mind and so she crouched watching breathless and uncertain she saw him go back to the door and repeat the knock more loudly cursing under his breath and calling a name at the keyhole tricot he called tricot tricot and in a moment she heard a sound at the door which was opened a few inches c'est moi tricot she heard harry say and then the door was opened wide giving her a glimpse of a short man with tousled hair and a diabolic face holding a lantern oh monsieur growled the man with a lantern stepping aside as harry horton entered and just as moira sprang up her husband's name on her lips the door was closed and bolted she ran to it and then paused in uncertainty trying to plan what it was best to do she felt very small very helpless 
for the sight of the villainous-looking man with the lantern frightened her terribly he seemed to typify all the evil in all the world to explain in a glimpse all that was sinister and terrifying in the disappearance of jim horton an ugly creature of the world of underground an apache there were others like him here and harry there was no time to be lost her thoughts seemed to clear her courage to return as she cautiously returned by the way that she had come out into the wider street up which she hurried turning in the direction of the boule miche her one idea now was to find a policeman any one with a vestige of authority men she met but she shrank away from them as she saw what they were and what they thought she was ten fifteen minutes of rapid searching without result and she turned toward the quay failing there over the petit pont to the island and the prefecture de police it was curious that she had not thought of it before the buildings were dark but she found at last a man in uniform to whom excitedly she told her story he listened with maddening politeness and at last took her to an office where several other men in uniform were sitting around a stove more alarmed than ever at the passage of time she told her story again here she seemed to make some impression at last for an older man who sat at a desk finally aroused himself and gave some orders and in a few moments with two of the policemen she was leading the way back to the quai saint michel she was almost running now in her eagerness so that the men had to take their longest strides to keep up with her but more than ten minutes had already passed it seemed an eternity to moira and there was still some distance to go what was the name this man spoke at the door asked one of the policemen she told him a tricot parbleu i think perhaps mademoiselle that there may be some reason in your anxiety you know an apache of the old regime mademoiselle we would do well to find him and so explaining her fears but not yet revealing all the reasons for them she led the way down the streets by which she had come and to the house which harry horton had entered the older man knocked loudly upon the door there was no response again silence the other man went up the alleyway on the side and called to them there was a shutter and a window open without hesitation he drew a weapon and crawled over the sill the other man following leaving moira alone she listened as they moved about inside saw the glint of an electric torch and then heard the bolts of the door shot back and the police officer calling to her enter mademoiselle he said when she had come around you are sure that this is the house yes monsieur there's no one here the house is deserted it is a street of deserted houses that is impossible she stammered with my own eyes less than an hour ago this tricot met the other at the door allo we will search a little further then she followed them up the rickety stairway and then they found evidences of recent occupation two pallets of straw some food a bottle containing absinthe 
mademoiselle you are right this bottle is not yet empty there's something suspicious here and now moving with more rapidity they explored the house thoroughly descending at last into the cellar with weapons drawn moira half hoping half fearing following just behind them her gaze searching the shadows the place smelled of the earth and the walls were damp to the touch but a quick examination with the torch showed the marks of many footprints in the earthen floor the astonishing feature of the cellar was its size for it seemed to extend under two houses and its vaulted ceiling of rough stone of great antiquity was upheld by huge piers that might at one time have supported the walls of a great edifice at first they could make out nothing but a litter of papers bottles and packing-cases but as the torch of the police officer searched the shadows in a distant corner they heard his exclamation of astonishment there was another pallet of straw here covered with rags and quite distinctly there came to their nostrils the odor of chloroform moira peering over the shoulders of the man with the light saw him bend over and pick up a rag and examine it carefully there were dark stains upon it and then with another exclamation he picked up some pieces of rope some one lay here but a short while ago he muttered positively tied hand and foot the bed is still warm they can't have gone far then but the door was bolted on the inside the window there would hardly have been time is it not so mademoiselle i don't know whispered moira in dismay is there no outlet to this place there must be the light monsieur yonder in the corners beyond the stonework the man with the torch his professional instincts now thoroughly alive obeyed they sounded the walls first one side and then the other coming at last in the further corner toward the river upon a stone arch over some steps leading into a dark opening the man who held the light suddenly extinguished it and a warning sound came from his lips listen he whispered scarcely able to breathe moira obeyed from the passageway at a distance there came the sounds of voices come follow me dupuis mademoiselle had better remain and with that turning his light into the dark hole he descended the other following but the thought of remaining alone in this terrible house frightened her and she clutched at the hand of the second policeman i dare not stay here monsieur i must go with you bien but i warn you it may be dangerous and yet what could be more dangerous than remaining in the cellar of the apache tricot with shaking limbs she followed down the passage stumbling and clinging to the shoulder of the gallant policeman the man who led them disappeared beyond a turn in the passage but they reached it and as they turned the corner felt the chill of the night air beating in their faces and in a moment they came out on the shore of the river near a boat landing tonnerre de dieu shouted the man with the light and started running toward the steps that led to the quay above the other had reached the boat landing and stared for a moment down into the dark mists above the river then he ran up the steps after his companion 
frightened and mystified moira followed up the steps where after a moment the two men joined her we have missed them we were too late but the captive the prisoner pleaded moira in an agony of apprehension that's the point the prisoner said the younger man wait a moment mademoiselle and he ran down the steps to the boat landing again peering eagerly down the stream already far away merely a blotch in the shadows beyond the pont neuf there was a boat at the quai du louvre vite dupuis there may be yet time and the two of them started running toward the distant bridge leaving moira to follow as fast as she could when moira reached them on the opposite side of the river breathless and almost dead of apprehension they were questioning a man on the quai du louvre he reported that a man had attempted suicide by drowning and that a woman had saved him just as he was about to leap into the water she herself had asked his assistance and together they had hailed a passing fiacre in which the woman had driven away did you notice anything extraordinary about the rescued man questioned dupuis nothing except that he was very pale also that there was an odor of chloroform on his clothing chloroform are you sure the man shrugged you may smell for yourself and he extended a hand and arm upon which the odor was unmistakable she heard the officer take the address of the witness and then turned to her mademoiselle is no doubt weary there is nothing more that can be done to-night if you will permit me to conduct you home a woman who moira nodded in a bewildered way a fiacre monsieur if you please she stammered i i am very tired End of chapter eight